It's only entertainment. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. With me here is Michael Johnson. He's with Metric. Michael, thanks for being with us on The Talking Hedge. Appreciate you having me. Appreciate you being back. Uh, tell me a little bit about your company, what you do, and uh, then we'll get into MJ BizCon. Absolutely. Yeah, Metric is the, uh, the leading provider of track and trace services uh, and compliance solutions for just that we're in 23 states now, or 23 state, uh, 21 states with two jurisdictions, Guam and Washington, D.C., uh, put together the kind of the backbone of the, uh, of the legal market and um, really doing our very best to, to meet as many of our folks, many of our partners here as possible and, and try, and be as, um, try and be as open to uh, conversations and, and growing as we can. I always forget Guam has a regulated market. Um, any uh, plans on getting into Puerto Rico? I find Puerto Rico to be fascinating, being the only place in America that you can go as an employee or uh, business and not be forced to pay federal taxes, which puts a huge advantage on anybody who's making CBD or THC products uh, to only pay 4% corporate tax. Do you have any plans on getting into the Puerto Rican market? We, I mean, we like to have plans to get into every market, you know, so uh, Puerto Rico is certainly on our radar. Um, you know, we're focused on trying to be the best partners and provide the best solution we can. And if it's Puerto Rico that, that comes up as an opportunity, we're super excited about that, um, just like any other state. Talk to me about the importance of, of what you're doing. Why does somebody need to be in compliance? Yeah, I mean, the legal market really is going to be uh, the opportunity for folks to um, kind of help destigmatize cannabis, to be able to um, help folks that are not cannabis folks get more comfortable with cannabis, help folks that are cannabis folks ensure uh, that they're getting safe, secure products. Um, really, the, the backbone of the legitimate industry is really the core element of what we're of what we're trying to support. Um, the stronger the legal industry is, the weaker the illegal industry will become. Um, I think the folks that are here at MJ BizCon, which is an incredible collection of individuals and, and companies, um, are, are a true testament to, to the power of the legal market and where we're going. And so, I, I mean, the, it, it's still really early. We forget this industry is, you know, not much more than a decade old in the United States. Um, so there's a, a lot to do in helping uh, make it safe, secure, and, um, and and to protect the supply chains and public health is really the, the most critical part in helping all of these folks that are here at, at the event to be successful. There's a lot of different nuances from state to state. What's one of the more... Um, complicated that you have to deal with and, and what makes it challenging? I think the most complicated is the difference between medical and adult use states. So there's a, Oklahoma, for example, has um, almost as many licensees as California and it's medical only. And so medical is a unique set of regulations and requirements. Uh, adult use obviously does as well, but the medical ones tend to be a little more stringent. And so trying to balance, there's also a number of states where they have medical programs and adult use programs. And so that gets somewhat confusing for folks that are, you know, that are, that are kind of on one side or another or not really sure uh, where they fall and, and how they're able to, to get their cannabis. Um, so really helping educate and helping to support folks uh, because it, it's, it's confusing. We know it's confusing. We know regulation and compliance can be challenging. And our goal is to make it frictionless. Mm-hmm. There's um, a lot of individuals who don't uh, like compliance. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of mom and pop operators who just aren't very good at you know, the day-to-day uh, minutia of, of the, the track and trace or just whatever procedures, right? So is it helping diversion or is it hindering small business growth? 
Uh, I would say it's definitely helping diversion. We see, uh, you can definitely see from the data in certain states that have more relaxed regulations. You can certainly see like the percentage or the, the density of, um, of cannabis that makes it to the legal market and sold in the retail space versus what's actually grown. And the regulators take that information, they do things with it, and you know, hopefully build, uh, build a strong compliance structure. Um, I would say for the smaller, smaller growers that find compliance challenging for them, um, that's something we hear and we understand, and our goal is to make compliance frictionless. And so we've dedicated a lot of time and resources, brought a new CTO in the last month um, to help make our, uh, like, improve functionality and usability of our product such that compliance isn't challenging. But I would also say that keeping track of, of your inventory, paying attention to your processes, understanding what, what produces higher yields or um, a better product and whatever your definition of better product is, is really going to be critical to help these small businesses be successful. I don't think that just because somebody's um, having to go through maybe another another step or two from a compliance perspective, that if we're missing all these other strong good business practices, that, that they're going to ultimately prevail in the market as folks get better and better and produce much. I mean, it, it's just incredible. The innovation that we see here is, is amazing. So helping to support folks, helping to give them um, some of the some of the infrastructure that we can, because the, the vast majority of, of our small growers don't integrate with another product. And so to the extent we can support them uh, and help them with their business uh, in, in a, they can see metric is, is something that's value add, not just a, not just a source of compliance. It's certainly something that we care a lot about. Okay. What's your revenue model? How, how are you able to, to generate income? So we, we have a variety of different ways. So um, we contract primarily with the state governments. So the state governments will, will pay us directly. Um, generally, those numbers are smaller. It's kind of the nature of the competitive element and the you know, kind of a quirk of, uh, of a public RFP process. Um, we generally also, at the state's direction, will have um, certain costs that will flow down to the actual operators. And generally, that's in the form of um, either charging on consumption or usage or per plant basis in the form of, um, and we, we kind of use a tag as like our vehicle to charge on a per plant basis. And so there's a variety of different ways that we're doing it in, in different areas, but primarily it's been using the individual plant or the individual package as our vehicle and, and, the, and the tags that, that go with that. A lot of people look at the track and tracing and, and they think of it as uh, simply a, a way to be compliant. And some people you know, can peel back a, a layer of the onion and say, well, it helps with diversion. Is there any information or, um, you know, anecdotal evidence that it's also limiting internal theft? Yeah, there is, actually. And so I think the biggest benefit in what we do for folks that I really think doesn't get as much traction, um, we certainly have done a great job at making making folks aware of the magic of RFID. Um, but every other developed agricultural supply chain, uh, including Walmart, require RFID through the entire supply chain. I mean, Walmart made an announcement in January that everything in their supply chain, like literally everything, has to have an RFID inlay before it gets to the shelves by the end of the year. Um, and so we don't really do much, and we have not historically done much to help folks uh, facilitate the wireless, um, the, the wireless and passive data collection, and also um, the the management of their plants or their products, whatever they're producing, uh, via the the magic of RFID. And so for that, it's I mean it's a huge benefit. It really is. It really is incredible. Uh, we just uh, had some folks in California. We were working with the state. Um, there's uh, utilizing RFID in a dispensary save four full-time people in terms of folks that they needed to maintain packaging, inventory, restocks, things of that nature. They will do it all wirelessly. And so that's an example, I think, especially for the smaller uh, operators on how they can find significant efficiencies and really gain uh, profitability and help support their business.
How uh, unpack that a little bit because I'm curious about the the ability to streamline the employment process. Um, can you can you explain that a, a little bit more about how that's going to reduce headcount? Uh, so anytime, like what typically happens in any sort of inventory structure is you're you know picking, shipping, you're counting things manually. You might be scanning something with a barcode. Happens in in any business that that deals with inventory. Um, when you're doing things with the RFID perspective, you're constantly you have like this this perpetual or this up to the second uh, count of inventory. And also, depending on how you structure your RFID readers and technology that supports that, um, you can identify where things are within a within a facility. Like specifically, like we have X number of, of packages that are in this particular room, and, and some folks get even more sophisticated than that. And the number of the folks that are doing really great things are actually here at MJ BizCon. Um, so being able to kind of see the process all along the way um, and do it without like wirelessly touching, like without touching anything, um, and using the passive data collection as you're moving things through the supply chain uh, is really how you're able to save so much time and you're not required to have as much manpower to perform kind of basic tasks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, interesting. Um, are there any states that are hesitant or reluctant? Um, it seems like it's, it's been fairly uh, uniform in its adoption, but are, are there any regulators that are pushing back? For track and trace, yeah. the tag model, yeah. um, we haven't seen much. I mean, every state except for, I think it's Arizona is the only one that requires track and trace. Um, some are doing it a little bit differently. So Washington, I know you're from Washington, um, is a, a little bit of a, a different kind of a model where they've kind of tried to do their own thing. And I, I think there's some some challenges there. I'm sure there's some benefits that folks see. Um, so we, we try and continue to work with our with our partners and friends in Washington to evaluate uh, what the opportunities look like. We have significant conversations with folks in Canada um, about the way their structure works. They, they have a, an even different kind of a structure. Um, and there's a lot of challenges. I mean, diversion, lack of visibility, um, risk to public health. Uh, I mean, the mold is, is a very big deal. And going through the, the, tra- uh, the uh, testing process and being able to facilitate really swift recalls allows folks to protect public health, and there's no better or more effective way to do that than via a robust track and trace mechanism. I would also think for um, spider mite issues, if you had like a particular center of, of infection, then you could then just figure out which tags were around yeah. that within a perimeter, and then that could help with some Absolutely. issues as well. Absolutely. We can tell. I mean, the second somebody finds something, any, any kind of a product that there's a, an issue with, we can identify within seconds the entire chain of custody back to the original plants. Um, we can identify where they're at or physically where they're at at any point in time. Um, and, and in some cases, depending on the state and regulations, especially for medical, you can identify anybody that's purchased something that may, that may have been tainted or has you know, a spider mite or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to me about MJ BizCon. Why are you here? What uh, is your goal? What are you going to get out of it? Yeah, MJ BizCon for us is just an opportunity to, to, be, to be out there. I've been in this role for less than six months now, um, maybe almost six months. Uh, and, and a lot of folks, a lot of the feedback I've gotten over this time is that metric is a bit of a black box for some folks. And, you know, we don't really talk to them and we use the software, whether we like it or not. Um, and we don't really know what we, how, to, how to get help or who to talk to. Um, we don't even know if there's real people there. And so we're not here peddling any wares of any kind. It's really um, more of a, an opportunity for us to be out to try and talk to folks that, that use Metric, that integrate with Metric, um, to kind of hopefully put faces with Metric, um, and to build some conversations that can hopefully improve the product, improve the customer experience, 
um, and overall make uh, help to support the legal market the best way possible. Awesome. If anybody wants to learn more information, get a hold of you, find out more about it, where can they do that at? Yeah, metric.com is going to be the, the easiest way. Uh, we're on every social media platform there is for sure. Feel free to reach out to me directly, uh, michael.johnson at metric.com. Uh, I, I really want to do the very best I can to support folks and help them be as successful as possible in staying compliant and in uh, helping to support the legal market. Okay. I think with that, we're going to have to roll this one up. So I want to thank my guest, Michael Johnson with Metric. Appreciate you being on The Talking Edge. Thanks so much, Josh. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Edge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Or don't. And I'm out. Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out. And check out these other videos that we've got. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other shows. Cannabis Health Radio is a podcast about stories from people around the world who have used cannabis to deal with serious ailments, many of them life-threatening. My name is Ian Jessup. My co-host, Corey Yelland, is no stranger to the devastating emotional impact faced by so many people receiving a death sentence diagnosis from a doctor. Told she only had months to live with anal canal cancer, Corey researched and immediately began using cannabis oil to eliminate her cancer and has been cancer-free for more than a decade. She told herself that if it worked, she would spend the rest of her life helping others, which she does tirelessly every day. When you listen to our podcast, you'll hear many stories like Corey's, along with others who have used cannabis oil for many more ailments besides cancer, such as chronic pain, PTSD, MS, and many, many more. As one of our guests said, your podcast gave me the confidence to save my own life. We regularly get messages from listeners who have heard our podcast and use cannabis to solve a serious health issue of their own or that of a loved one. We hope you listen to these stories and be as inspired and moved as we are with each and every episode.